It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Taking the family out for a camping trip at the nearest state park sounds like a great idea. But even at those crowded campgrounds surrounded by several other families, you might invite the attention of someone or something very, very dangerous. Welcome to Camping Horrors, the podcast where real people share their scariest camping and hiking stories, and I narrate them. Today's episode features uninvited guests, disfigured stalkers, and more. Enjoy! I would love to read your scariest camping and hiking stories on the show, so send them to me at darkstories.org. Go to eeriecast.com to check out more of my scary story narrations. Now, throw a log on the fire, because the night is still young. The Hike to My Grandparents from Shrekbrek Growing up in rural Utah, I spent a lot of time outdoors, exploring the forests and canyons around my family's large property. By the time I was 13, I knew those woods like the back of my hand. That familiarity gave me a sense of freedom, but also recklessness. Looking back, I was too comfortable out there alone. I thought nothing could harm me. How wrong I was. It started the summer before eighth grade. With school out, I had a lot of unsupervised free time while my parents were at work. I quickly grew bored, just hanging around the house all day. My grandparents lived about a mile and a half away through the woods, so I decided to start hiking over there some afternoons for a change of scenery and to raid their pantry. The first few times I made the hike were uneventful. Their house backed right up to the tree line, so I'd emerge from the woods into their backyard. My grandmother would always act thrilled to see me, bustling about to whip up an after-school snack while I watched TV. It became a nice routine those first couple weeks. The hike there and back was so peaceful, just me and nature. But in late June, things started feeling… off. I noticed the usual sounds of birds and squirrels had quieted. The woods seemed darker somehow. I shrugged it off as summer storm clouds rolling in. I should have turned around right then and there. I was about halfway to my grandparents' house when the first raindrops started falling. I pulled my hood up and continued on. Then crackling thunder echoed through the trees, much closer than expected. The wind picked up, whipping the branches around. It was still mid-afternoon, but the sky had turned an ominous gray-green. I quickened my pace, hoping to beat the storm. But the heavens opened up, rain coming down in blinding sheets. The ground turned to mud, rain dripping down my neck. 
I was soaked and shivering, but pushed on toward the warm, dry house ahead. Out of nowhere, a blood-curdling screech rang out, nothing like I'd ever heard from any local wildlife. I froze, peering desperately through the rain and shadows between the trees. A flickering light appeared, swaying erratically as if carried by someone walking. Had my grandfather come looking for me? I called out but received no answer over the cacophony of thunder and heavy rain. The light continued bobbing toward me, too short to be my tall grandfather holding a lantern. I stumbled backward, unsure what else it could be. The screech came again, closer this time. The strange light kept advancing between the trees. My heart pounded. I turned and sprinted blindly through the woods in the opposite direction. I didn't care that I was going deeper into unknown territory. I just had to escape that thing and the unearthly wailing. I splashed through mud and thorny brush, clothes snagging on branches. A bolt of lightning struck a nearby tree, the deafening crack ringing in my ears. The acrid smell of smoke filled my nose as rain hissed against the sizzling wood. Still, I careened on through the darkness, feet slipping out from under me. I crashed to the ground, tasting mud and blood in my mouth. The thing was closer now, its flickering light weaving between the trees. I scrambled to my feet and took off again just as another bolt struck right behind me, the force of it propelling me forward. I ran and ran until I thought my lungs would burst. My head throbbed and I gasped for breath, but I didn't dare stop. Just when I thought my legs would give out, I stumbled into a rocky clearing. An abandoned miner's shack stood against the far wall. I hurled myself at the weathered wooden door just as the shriek sounded right at the tree line. I forced the warped door shut behind me, plunging the shack into darkness. Shaking uncontrollably, I sank down against the wall, blood roaring in my ears. The thing outside continued to wail a bone-chilling scream of anger and anguish. Exhausted, I must have passed out right there on the dirt floor. Because the next thing I remember is waking up in pitch blackness. The storm's fury diminished to a steady drizzle. The shack stood silent and still. Whatever was out there seemed to have moved on. Bleary and disoriented, I cautiously made my way outside. The moon peeked through clouds, providing just enough light to maneuver slowly through the trees, arms outstretched. I walked all night, terrified that things still lurked in the shadows waiting for me. By some miracle, I emerged from the woods as the sun rose, stumbling up to my own back porch. I burst inside, bolted the door, and collapsed on the floor, overcome with relief at being home. My parents never found out about that day's misadventure. The memory still haunts me though, especially being back at home alone so much. Whatever sinister presence I encountered out there, I know deep down it's still lurking in those forests, waiting. I've never ventured beyond my backyard since. Some nights I still hear haunting screeches echoing through the trees, and I pray it never finds me again. Campsite Man From Dan H. Camping used to be one of my favorite family activities. Getting out into nature, cooking over the fire, telling stories under the stars. What's not to love? My wife Emily and I took our son Jake camping every chance we got when he was growing up. 
but ever since what happened that weekend at the state park when Jake was 13, I don't think I'll ever be able to enjoy it the same way again. It was early October, perfect weather for camping before it got too cold. We drove up to one of our favorite spots, Ridgeview State Park, on a Friday afternoon. Our campsite was in a more secluded part of the park, surrounded by towering pines. After setting up the tent and getting a fire going, we cooked hot dogs for dinner. Jake was excited when the sun went down. I told him some spooky stories about monsters in the woods. He was at that age where scary stuff was thrilling rather than really frightening. Afterwards, we all turned in for the night, exhausted from the drive and the setup. The first night sleeping outdoors is always the best, so peaceful and quiet, tucked away in the tent, exhausted. The next morning, we made pancakes over the fire for breakfast. As we ate, a park ranger came by to welcome us to the campgrounds. He was an older guy, wiry with a big mustache. After some friendly small talk, he told us to be sure to store all food properly at night, as bears had been active lately. We assured him we had a bear-proof container that we always used when camping. After the ranger left, we headed out on a hike. Emily is a bird watcher, so she brought her binoculars and field guide to spot species. We saw kingfishers, robins, finches, and more over the next few hours. Jake did complain a bit about being bored, but I could tell he was enjoying himself too. Back at our site in the late afternoon, we played card games and read magazines. As dusk fell, I noticed a man at the site across the road from us. He would glance over more and more frequently as the night wore on. He looked to be around my age, 40s, kinda rough and grizzled. He was drinking a beer and smoking while poking aimlessly at his fire. I tried to shrug it off, but something about the way he was watching us creeped me out. I made sure to usher Jake into the tent once it got dark, so that he was out of view. Emily and I stayed by the fire until almost midnight, chatting and gazing at the stars before finally turning in. Sometime later, I awoke suddenly to noises outside the tent. Twigs snapping, leaves rustling. I lay still, straining to identify these sounds. Next to me, Emily and Jake remained fast asleep. More crunching footsteps, seemingly right near the tent wall. Adrenaline began to pump in me as my mind went to the worst possible scenarios. A rabid animal, a psycho killer, the creepy camper from earlier. Moving slowly, as to not make much noise, I reached for my flashlight, which was nearby. I flipped it on and swept the beam around the interior. Nothing inside. The crunching footsteps continued, definitely circling just outside the nylon walls. Taking a deep breath, I unzipped the tent flap as quietly as I could. I stuck just my head out, prepared to face some wild animal snout to snout. But instead, the light revealed the man from the other site, now squatting just feet away, his back facing me. With the light at his back, the man whipped around suddenly. For a split second, we locked eyes, 
my blinding flashlight beam illuminating his face. I saw this wild, glassy look in his eyes before he snarled like some animal and lunged for me. I fell backwards into the tent, screaming for Emily and Jake to get out as the man scrambled to get through the tent entrance. Emily was awake instantly, grabbing Jake and pushing past me out of the tent. I kicked wildly at the man, now halfway inside our tent, aiming for his face. My heel connected with his mouth, and I heard him cry out. Finally, I wriggled away, ripping open the tent and bursting outside. Emily and Jake were already sprinting for the main site area. I grabbed my keys and a knife, slicing at the tent material as the man emerged from within. He came at me again, blood now dripping from his split lip. I managed to evade his grasp, then turned and ran after my fleeing family. We called for help, and within moments, other campers emerged from their tents. I yelled out that a man was trying to attack us, and I pointed to where he was now. I saw him disappearing into the trees beyond our now-destroyed tent. The camp hosts called 911 while checking that we were all unharmed. The other campers searched the area, but found no sign of the attacker. The paramedics arrived shortly after along with police, who took our statements. We elected not to stay another night, instead driving to a nearby hotel where I could hardly sleep. We left the following day, even more exhausted. Emily and I both had been shaken to the core. That feeling of security camping had always given me was gone. Jake especially was quiet on the drive home. He's 18 now, but hasn't gone camping since then. And to be honest, it took me quite a few years to feel comfortable camping again. Being out in the wilderness, once so peaceful, now seems full of unseen dangers lurking in the dark. Who knows who or what might end up at my tent door next time. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Attention all mystery lovers. Dive into the captivating world of June's Journey, the hidden object game that will awaken your inner detective. Join June Parker on her quest to uncover the shocking truth behind her sister's murder in the glamorous 1920s. I'm a couple of chapters in, and I love unlocking new pieces to the mystery after each hidden item search. The beautifully detailed scenes, from New York's finest parlors to the charming sidewalks of Paris, make the experience truly immersive. As you progress, you'll also get to build and customize your very own island estate, complete with stunning gardens and luxurious buildings. Gather compelling evidence, decipher cleverly hidden clues, and unravel the dark secrets of the Parker family. Each twist and turn will keep you on the edge of your seat, eager to crack the case. Cooperate or compete against other players in the detective club, and you'll even get a chance to play in a detective league to test your skills. Are you ready to jump back in time, detectives? Download June's Journey for free today in iOS and Android. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lost in the Woods from Helen. Because of this experience, I try not to go hiking alone anymore. It gives me chills when I think back to how close I came to who knows what kind of danger had been out there. At the time, I was dating this guy named Brian. We'd been together about six months, and we liked going on outdoorsy dates. Hiking, kayaking, things like that. One Saturday, we decided to check out a new state park neither of us had been to about 40 minutes outside the city. We got a late start that morning and didn't arrive at the park until close to noon. It was a gorgeous day. We stopped at the little park office to grab a trail map. The ranger there highlighted what he said was a great six-mile loop that would take us up to a waterfall overlook. Brian and I got boots and hydration packs on and hit the trail. We were having a good time, chatting and admiring the scenery. This trail started out wide and was well marked. Gradually, it climbed uphill. After about 45 minutes, we reached a fork that didn't seem to be on the map. We debated which direction to go. Eventually, Brian thought we should go left, since we could vaguely hear the sound of rushing water coming from that direction, assuming it was the waterfall we wanted to see. That path got progressively narrower and less maintained. The foliage grew thick on either side, limiting our views. Another 20 minutes in, I was starting to get nervous that we chose the wrong direction. But when I voiced my concerns, Brian brushed it off. Ah, it's just a little farther, he said. If not the waterfall, then maybe something even better. Suddenly, the woods became extremely dense. We trekked through for several minutes, and when I finally came out on the other side into a clearing, Brian was gone. I called for him, but he didn't respond. How did that happen, I wondered. He'd been right there with me just a moment ago. I backtracked, getting more anxious when there was no sign of him. How could he have just vanished so quickly? The trail forked again up ahead, and neither branch looked familiar. I tried calling Brian's name again, but I was met once more with silence. I chose one of the paths blindly, deciding I just needed to get back to the main trail. But after walking for several more minutes, things were looking less and less recognizable. That's when the fear really hit home for me, that realization that I was truly lost and alone. The day was getting late, the sun dropping lower through the trees. I picked up the pace, hoping to find a trail marker or an intersection, anything familiar. My heart pounded as the woods grew dimmer. Strange noises echoed around me that I tried to block out. I could have sworn I heard footsteps crunching leaves some distance behind me at one point. But when I paused to listen, they went quiet. Out of water, tired and overwhelmed, I took a break 
sitting on a fallen tree. I put my head in my hands, on the verge of tears. Just where the heck was I? Just then, a snapping twig made me jerk upright. My breath caught in my throat as I scanned the woods around me. I saw it then. The silhouette of a tall, lone man, maybe a hundred feet back, standing motionless among the trees. Brian? Brian? I called out, but immediately knew that was a mistake, because as I looked at him even a moment longer, I knew that couldn't be him. He was too tall. The shape just didn't match. And why would Brian ignore me? Panic filled me. I grabbed a nearby stick, the biggest one I could, and I shouted, Stay away from me! The man didn't move. He just stood there, blending into the shadows, watching me. I had no idea who he was or what he wanted, but I was not going to wait around to find out. I gripped my makeshift weapon, and I took off running again. Every few yards I glanced back, but I couldn't see the man anymore. I ran until my lungs burned, finally collapsing in a small clearing. By then, I was covered in sweat and shaking. I knew I couldn't keep wandering aimlessly out here. As the sunlight faded, I tried to gather myself and come up with a plan of some sort. Should I keep trying to find my way back? Do I make a shelter and spend the night? I had no idea where the trail was or if that man was still tracking me. One thing was clear, I needed to leave these woods. Now. Sitting there alone as the shadows grew longer, I knew I had to keep moving. I took a deep breath and stood up, looking around for any clue of which way to go. In the distance, I thought I could hear the faint sound of traffic from a highway. If I could just follow that sound, it could lead me to a road, to people, to civilization. I started walking quickly toward where the noises came from, praying it wasn't just my imagination. My heart leapt at every snap of a twig and rustle in the brush. Was that weird man still tracking me? What did he want? I pressed on through the thickening darkness. The woods were full of sinister sounds, screeching birds, skittering animals in the underbrush, creaking branches. I kept glancing behind me, but saw nothing besides endless trees. Finally, the distant traffic noise grew more distinct. My spirits lifted, thinking I was close to an exit from this nightmare. Just as I picked up speed, a figure stepped suddenly from behind a tree directly in my path, only thirty feet ahead. I screamed as the tall silhouette blocked my path. It was that man, the same one before. Somehow he'd caught up to me. As he took a step closer towards me, I could now see his features in the fading light. They made my blood run cold. His face was horribly disfigured. Scarred, twisted flesh that looked burned and shiny. He had stringy hair hanging over a cloudy eye, but his one good eye was fixed intensely on me as he approached. I froze, gripping my stick weapon, debating on whether to run or try and defend myself. The man's mouth, partly obscured by an unnatural bulge on his cheek, 
curled into a sinister grin. In a deep, raspy voice, he spoke. What's your hurry? Stay a while. His tone sent a wave of terror through me. Every instinct shouted at me to get away from this deformed threat. As the man closed the gap between us, I swung my stick at him with all my might. He lurched sideways to dodge it, then lunged towards me. I turned and sprinted away, weaving through trees and underbrush. I could hear the man crashing through the foliage behind me, letting out an awful gurgling yell. He sounded enraged that I had slipped away. I pushed my aching legs as hard as they could go, but soon his heavy footsteps seemed to be gaining ground. I risked a glance back, only to see the snarling melted face even closer behind me. Suddenly, I broke through the trees into a clearing. Right there in front of me was a parking lot and a road full of cars. The highway I'd heard was just adjacent, decently busy even in the night. An overwhelming relief washed over me at the sight of other people. I raced right into the lot, toward a family packing up their vehicle. They looked startled as I ran up to them in a panic, gasping for air, trying to explain to them the dangerous man chasing me. The father and teenage son scanned the tree line, then quickly got me into their SUV, locking the doors. The son called 911, while the parents tried to calm me down and give me some water. I could hardly speak. My hands were shaking uncontrollably, as my panic only slowly receded. We watched the woods for any sign of that man, waiting for the police to arrive. Soon, flashing lights cut through the dark parking lot as a patrol car pulled up. An officer came to the SUV, and I recounted what happened through the panicked sobs. She went to search the woods while her partner got my statement. But there was no trace of the terrifying man. The police drove me to the nearby station, where they pieced together I'd stumbled out of Ridgeview State Park and I'd wandered over seven miles from the main trailhead. A call went out to rangers there, who eventually contacted Brian once he made it back to the parking area. He was a mess. He'd been just as lost and freaked out, wandering solo after we got separated. Reuniting with Brian at the station, he frantically apologized to me for insisting on continuing down the wrong path. When I told him about the disfigured man I saw, he comforted me, telling me that everything was alright now. That chilling image though, that face, it still haunts my nightmares. I'll never know if that man was some deranged predator lurking in the woods, or just some realistic figment of my terrified mind. Either way, the ordeal left me with a lingering fear of trails and trees that closes in on me if I'm not right by someone's side. Wherever that place took me when I was lost, it's a nightmare I can never quite wake up from, always feeling that malicious presence just behind me in the shadows. My Strange Encounter From Max This happened a couple of years ago, 
It was a warm late summer night. I was 16 years old, riding my 125cc through the village. I was just going out to clear my head. I was going through some difficult times, and the sound of a V-twin always calmed my nerves. Almost all of the ride was completely quiet and uneventful, giving me the peace and quiet I was looking for. I was going toward a dead-end road, which led to some lakes, so I could turn around and make my way back. About halfway through that road, I saw someone wearing all white, just walking down the road. Now this wouldn't be too strange as this was a common path for people to be taking for walks. However, it's a bit different when it's 11pm in the middle of the night and the person had no lights on them at all. And there are no houses along the two kilometer stretch of road, so I'm not sure what this person was doing. I slowed down out of instinct because pedestrians can be unpredictable. That was a mistake. As I was about halfway past the person, they belted out the most violent sounding scream I'd ever heard. My heart instantly started to race, and before I could figure out what was happening, the person charged at me, all while I frantically tried to get into the lowest gear possible. I saw the person in my mirror as I cracked the throttle all the way open. Now, for people that have no clue about engines, a 125cc is extremely low, and the initial acceleration on the one I had was barely faster than a person. It also didn't help that I had changed the front sprocket for a bigger one to save on gas by reducing cruising RPM. The throttle was still wide open, and as I was approaching 9,000 RPM, I was getting ready to shift, but that was when I felt a hand harshly hit the rear of my bike. Terrified, I ended up over-revving the bike all the way until 13,000 RPM because I didn't want to shift while that person was within arm's reach. This person kept up with me until I hit 27 kilometers per hour. At that point, I started to lose them. I didn't slow down. However, only after I'd lost sight of the person did I remember that this road ended in the forest. This caused me some more panic. As I approached the end of the road, I remembered that there was a small gravel path that's meant for hiking. This was also an older bike, so it still had a regular light switch. Usually more modern bikes have their lights set up so that you can't turn them off when the engine's running. Instinctively, I turned off the lights as I shifted all the way into fifth gear to make the least amount of noise possible. I followed the gravel path all the way back to a regular road. I was speeding and I was constantly looking behind me. Even as I got onto the regular road, I continued to speed. When I finally made it back home, I was trembling, soaked in sweat. I opened my garage door and stored away my motorcycle while still looking at my surroundings the entire time. I ran to my door as fast as I could, slamming it shut behind me. I locked it too, just to be safe. The following day, I called one of my friends. I told him about the night before, asking him to come along with me this time. We took a hike into the forest, which was right next to the road, looking for tracks, because I thought someone had set up some stupid prank. 
but I couldn't find anything. The only tracks that were there were mine and my friends. I searched both sides of the forest, along the entire road, but I found nothing. I'm usually not someone to get scared easily, and I'm no small guy either. I'm 185 centimeters tall, and I have an athletic build. But that scream... I've never heard anything like it, and it sent chills down my spine. I get spooked just thinking about that horrible sound. I've told this story to three of my friends before. They took me seriously as I usually don't scare too easily, and I'm not one to make stuff up. This was the most frightening encounter I've had while riding my 125 at night. Looking back on it, I feel like I could have fought the person off, especially because I was wearing full motorcycle gear. But I'm telling you, when I heard that scream, my mind just told me to run. It was so loud, and it didn't sound human. I've avoided that road ever since, and I don't ever intend to go to that road again. I still don't know what that person was doing there, in the middle of the night, without a single light, in the middle of nowhere, wearing all white. There are no asylums anywhere nearby, so I don't think it was an escapee. But still, I can't come up with a logical explanation to this. Thank you for stopping by at our little campsite here at Camping Horrors. To hear your story on the show, send it to us for narration at darkstories.org. For more narrations from me, you can catch me on my other podcasts, Unexplained Encounters, and Tales from the Break Room on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Or you can go to eeriecast.com for those and even more terrifying podcasts. Follow me on X, formerly Twitter, at Dark Prevails, and be sure to leave Camping Horrors a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now then, I'll see you soon when the campfire blazes once again. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.